This is Application Paranoia, episode 10. Welcome again to Application Paranoia, our podcast about application security, DevSecOps, and AppScan. This is our twice monthly discussion, not bi weekly, around technical insights, assorted facts, and the latest news from HCL AppScan. I'm Colin Bell, and with me on the panel, I am pleased to welcome yet again um, Rob Cuddy and Chris Stewart. In this episode, we have as our guest Tanya Yanka. Tanya is a highly regarded and renowned for her. We Hack Purple Academy for Application Security Learning. So I'm really excited to be talking to her later. We will also continue some more hot tips from Chris and as usual, our fun facts. Chris, how are you? <laughs> oh, I'm wicked good. <laughs> Turns out, um, it's something that blows my mind anyways, nobody knows uh, in our area of the world, wicked means really or very or super so we would say things like wicked awesome or wicked neat or oh that's wicked bad <laughs> and it really just means really <laughs> it's like an well, emphasis wicked has is is a misused word because it originally i guess it means evil and, and yeah. horrible and, <laughs> and, no and, and, <laughs> and somehow it, it also means to be good you know yeah well and we have... say it, yeah well it depends on what we say after wicked we don't just say, oh, that's wicked. Actually, we do say that. <laughs> Usually means that's nice or neat. <laughs> so, yeah, if you come to New Hampshire, you know, Manch Vegas, you'll hear people say wicked all the time. And, and what do they mean? They just mean really. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wicked neat. Oh, that's wicked awesome. It's like an emphasis on something. And we want to go over the top without going over the top. Do you remember when they had um, uh, Nokia 3310 phones? Do you remember? Oh, those things are still wicked good. Yeah. <laughs> They're still alive and working. <laughs> that was when the whole predictive text thing came. And I, I remember um, my son, and he was small at the time. He was around 10 or 12 or something. And, and he kept saying, oh, that's book. <laughs> book. You know, and he said, yeah, book, B-O-O-K. And I said, well, why is it book? And he said, well, predictive text for cool comes back book. So we just say everything is book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's your wicked, sort of. <laughs> Makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, our opinion is nobody else uses the word properly, but that's our opinion. <laughs> wicked, wicked. Wicked. Oh. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Rob, how are you? Hey, How's it going, Rob? it's going good. Uh, it's been really hot here. So we've been um, dealing with that kind of stuff um, and just uh, watching as things go uh, on around us. We had a really uh, interesting <laughs> couple of days where uh, we got to see, you know, firefighting up close where there was a, a brush fire not too far from us. And we live near a little uh -huh. uh, local reservoir. So you know, all of a sudden in the afternoon, you're hearing uh, lots of helicopters and uh, there were two uh, planes and two helicopters pulling water out of the reservoir and then taking it over uh, about 20 miles or so away and dropping it off. So you could kind of see everything happening. And uh, it was great. It was actually really reassuring to see the response time on, on that one. And they got it out within about 20 minutes or so. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. I so, mean, for yeah. those who don't know, California is on fire. Yeah, yeah. Northern California <laughs> in particular. Is yeah. on fire. It's, 
it's it's funny and it's very similar to what happened i guess in australia earlier in the year but that most of, them I, most of them i believe are started naturally yeah They're, it's not yeah, like lightning strikes in from, yeah yeah believe it or not lightning strikes there particularly wow. in the northern part of the state there were uh over a weekend or so there was about 300 of them and uh wow. sparked a bunch so yeah yeah not good not good no some creepy stuff to do with Facebook that I've noticed. I think Facebook is going to be creepy. And I'll give you an example. And I've got two examples. So when we did the podcast the other week and we were talking about, um, you know, we were talking about Frisbee golf and vacation. Oh, disc golf. How dare you? Well, whatever, <laughs> whatever it's called, you know, so, so disc golf. I, I was, I was then on Facebook and I had all we'd done is talk about it. And suddenly, I'm getting ads for frisbee golf. And oh I've my never, god, you did it again! <laughs> and I, disc golf, whatever. I've, I've never seen the sport before, you know. And 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 suddenly, I'm getting ads from it based on maybe something I said. No, and Facebook knows people. what you want, you know. It, it wants you to go out there and throw some disc. It I had that. Oh my gosh, I had that yesterday. I I did this thing where um, I was searching on a mattress. And then I, about five minutes later, I jumped over to YouTube looking for something entirely different. And the first ad that was a mattress video thing. was a mattress thing. And then the one after it was on, I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's a little <laughs> Just wait until you're walking down the street. It identifies you as a person and customizes your ad as you're walking past the window. Yeah, no. <laughs> the other one that happened was, when I was running the other day, I ran past a guy I hadn't seen in 10 years, a guy I used to work with. Hmm. And I, I just waved at him and said hello, and he waved and said hello back. And then when I got back onto Facebook, they, there's his face, and it's suggesting I'm, I might want to be friends with him. Wow. And you, and, you, and you know it's just because our phones crossed, you know? <laughs> it crossed the streams. You did it. Crossed the streams. You went into the, the parallel dimension. <laughs> wow. He probably has um, friends that are mutual, you know, So and they've seen us cross. And and therefore, let's put that up there. You know, Across so the scenes. <laughs> We're all separated by six degrees or something silly like that. It's, yeah. cre it's creepy. It's yes. what it is. It's very creepy. Well, today you'll probably get that request from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> that would be great. Do you have any fun facts for us, though? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's there's all sorts of fun facts uh, going on for us. Uh, my favorite ones, obviously, you know, and we've been talking about these a little bit, are just some of the laws that, uh, you know, that my state has. But um, found a couple this last week that I thought were just really interesting. And they're, they're the kind that make you wonder what was going on that we actually needed to have this uh, as a law. But, um, you know, one of them in my great state here, it's actually on the law books that it's illegal to ride your bicycle through a public swimming pool. So... <laughs> That's that true. To be a recurring problem in California, honestly. Yeah, I, I, agree. I, just, I mean, I uh, think that's a valid law. You're doing lap swimming, and all of a sudden, a 10-speed goes by. another biker on yeah, your left? Exactly. So I just, you know, wonder what... Does that go back to maybe the 70s and the skateboarding thing? Because wasn't there a, a big drought in California, and a lot of people had to have their swimming pools empty, and you had these sort of bandit kids that used to jump fences and ride skateboards in people's yeah. pools? Yeah, in fact, uh, so Tony Hawk got his start, right? Exactly. Yeah, swimming yeah. pools and stuff like that. Yeah. So maybe it came in, it, it, it was okay to skateboard, but not ride your bike. They you should know? probably have put in 
without water on that exactly you know it's all in the details it's people. all in the details that's right any other liquid is fine but if there's yes. water <laughs> like if there's alcohol in it or yeah. jello jello yes right yeah. your mouth, jello that would be <laughs> sounds like a new extreme sport yes. um, yeah my other, my other favorite one that i saw this week which i'm still trying to try, i'm actually trying to picture what this looks like but but in los angeles um it's actually illegal to hunt moths under a street lamp yeah this is kind of like shooting fish in a barrel yeah i just i don't know uh i don't know why you would want to do that (laughs) and (laughs) but uh you know i mean i think it would be more fun to get one of those bug zappers and just kind of watch right so how much how much i mean are they going to extinction or moths you know running out of time well i'm not sure if they're trying to protect the moth or the street lamp or both um you know who knows? But it's just how do you hunt a moth to begin with? <laughs> exactly. You just walk around with like a can, a mason jar, say, "Come on, mothy, mothy. <laughs> you have a big, you have a big um, butterfly net. Oh, yeah. that, yeah, I suppose that makes more sense. Yes, and a giant and a little piece of cloth that you carry around and and you know <laughs> entice them with. <laughs> yes, and then you know I I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, parody songs, you know Weird Al Yankovic, that kind of thing. And so I had a, a thing. You may have seen it on Twitter where somebody in InfoSec this last week put out something and it made me, for whatever reason, it made me think of Hotel California. And so I did a very short uh, parody of that related to InfoSec. But in looking up the lyrics for that song um, to make sure I had it right, I was shocked and dismayed to find out that I had been listening all these years. And uh, there's a stanza in there that starts with her mind is Tiffany twisted. She's got the Mercedes Benz. Uh, and I, up until that day, had thought it literally meant uh, that the lyric said her mind is definitely twisted. Um, hmm. So, you know, it just, it kind of changed the entire meaning for me. So. It is that though, is it not? No. You were today years old. Exactly. <laughs> but when I looked it up, it was Tiffany Twisted, and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So, wow. anyway. But- well, that's that's crazy. I mean, my my wife is has lots of um, misheard lyrics. You know, so, so there's a song in the '90s by a Welsh group called Catatonia that had a song called "Road Rage." You know, and and the girl sings it in a in a Welsh accent. If you know the song, but my my uh, you know the the lyrics go, "You give me road rage." And my my wife always thought it was, "You give me roses." And, uh, <laughs> it's like it's, it's it's not that. You know, it's, it's, different. It's, it's it's much darker than that. You know, it's like, don't go there. <laughs> but yeah, that, there's there's a great video of Peter Kay, um, an English comedian, doing um, misheard lyrics. You, you should check that out. It's very Excellent. Cool. We'll have to look that up. We don't have much Chris for AppScan News or Rob for AppScan News. We, I think we did one release, and as you all say, Chris, you know this is this is just um, hygiene changes and various things like that. So mm-hmm. I think we'd do another release fairly soon. So we we caught of caught ourselves somewhere in between where there's not much happening. So there is a couple of things to talk about. I I think it's worth mentioning that our ASOC um, for all those who don't know, so our AppScan on cloud is effectively hosted out of the US, but we're yeah. we're now we're now bridging out and we're gonna be opening a data center in Europe and it's it's gonna come in the autumn 
or for you Americans out there, the fall. There you go. Um, yeah. so, so, so whatever, whatever way you want to spin that, but October timeframe, we should see ASOC available in, in the EU. And I think that's, that's going to be a big plus for, for customers. Yeah, get your pumpkin spice and your ASOC. Yeah. That's <laughs> outstanding. I mean, it opens up so many possibilities and helps with some of the data privacy laws. And yeah, it's yeah, 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 for GDPR, it's really problematic for some some organizations to sort of host data outside of the EU and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely going to help for that. Um, and, and Chris, you wanted to you wanted to maybe give a another shout out to um, a code suite. Do you have anything in particular you wanted to say on that? Or Yeah, a lot of people are using it. I actually saw the other day a job application that said code sweep experience preferred, which wow. I thought was pretty awesome. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, learn code sweep is not much to learn. Just use it. It's free. Go out there and grab it. It's Visual Studio Code. Type it in. Code sweep. Get it. It helps you write secure code. It's going to find some of the most glaring problems with your code and give you some good advice on what to do with those issues. Okay. So, so is that a job ad for Code Sweep and twelve years of um, Kubernetes? Yeah, twelve years right. of experience. Yes. And a CISSP certification. <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly. And it's a lot of those. Yeah. Please have fifty years experience with machine learning, which actually could happen, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> wow. Well, that's that's yeah, well, that's outstanding. I mean, the the certainly code sweepers. I saw some of the download stats. It's 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 certainly taking off, you know, which is great. And that's what we want to see happen. So. That's exactly what we want to see. Yeah, we, we want to build a safer world. Yeah, that's, that's part of it. Anything that yeah. lets you see it in context while you're doing it is a good thing. For the, the next segment, we're, we're going to continue and look at some of your best tips and practices, Chris. You know, I, you know, we put you on the spot last time. You've you've had a couple of weeks to think about some more. So yes, yeah. Um, yes. So, and so these are wicked. These are awesome. Wicked awesome. Wicked. <laughs> wicked. <laughs> it's vernacular up here. That's what we like to say. <laughs> or down here, I guess, depending on where you are. Or over here, I suppose, in your cases. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in Vermont. <laughs> but yeah, today we're going to talk cross-site scripting um, and, and the very difficult, difficult job we have to figure out how to stop it. But why is this still a thing? This is probably always going to be a thing, honestly. Um, it's so hard to make sure you're protected in the right places in the right areas. Uh, but one thing to know is removing script tags or looking for script tags and just avoiding them entirely will not stop cross-site scripting at exactly. all. Exactly. Not yeah, even yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah. I was actually, I'm not going to name the company, but I was at a company where, you know, I was encouraged. They had a sanitized XSS filter or a sanitized XSS method that was supposed to clean this stuff out. And I thought it was great until I looked at it. And all it did was wipe out script tags. That was it. And what was even worse is this was copy code. It was copied on every single JSP file that I looked at. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But, you know. <laughs> It is what it is. <clears throat> they tried something. So, you know, they're going to be protected from script tags being added, but not in all of the other places that, you know, cross-site scripting can happen. Consider events, for example, you know, on load events or mouse over events or image source. Oh my gosh, you can actually put JavaScript alerts inside of an image source <laughs> attribute. Oh. Holy cow. What? Inside of the, uh, the metadata for your file can actually have an entire script base 64 encoded so you can't see it and voila 
you're cross-eyed scripted. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff to worry about. There's a lot of stuff to be careful of. Um, but certainly we have some recommendations. You know, don't put untrusted data in ideally anything. But if you have to, avoid element tag names. Those should be hard-coded. Those should be static. You shouldn't be allowing anybody to modify what the tag is going to be in your HTML page ever. That's just dangerous. There's no reason for it. Uh, anywhere inside of a script block, that stuff, for anybody that's tried to encode and safely encode JavaScript, it is impossible. There's just too many ways for you to load dynamic information from eval or exec or some yeah. other you know, input HTML or whatever it is. It's just too easy to get into. You can't encode it. There's no safe way to do it. You can try. And we certainly encourage you to try, but just know that if you allow user data or what we call untrusted data to go anywhere near JavaScript, you're going to probably be open to attack almost every time. There's just no way to protect against it. So protect yourself, do the right thing, make sure your code is your code and the untrusted data only goes where untrusted data should go inside of, you know, element values or inside of attribute values, ideally enclosed inside of, you know, single quotes with HTML encoding in place in those two places. You have to encode it. You have to, have to, have to, uh, because the web browser is going to, first off, it's going to go in and then the JavaScript thing is going to run. So you want to make sure that the HTML decode when it wants to display it doesn't actually go in there and say, oh, well, this is a script tag. I need to, you know, do something with it. Um, but if it decodes it and it becomes a script tag after that, it just gets displayed and you're good to go. So encode, 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 encode. <laughs> Minimum, <laughs> if you don't know what to do, there's tons of resources out there. OWASP has possibly the best XSS cheat sheet that I've ever seen for any kind of vulnerability. Yeah, there's, there's some really good ones out there. Yeah, the OWASP one's great, yes. And it goes into all of these things we just talked about. So I encourage you, go there, check it out, look at it and see what's going on. Um, another thing is, if you have a choice with programming language and you have to use JavaScript, there's a ton of frameworks that are natively really good at protecting against cross-site scripting attacks like React and Angular and Vue and all of these new, new languages that are coming out that are built on top of JavaScript are huge. They, they do a lot of the work for you. And in fact, to get cross-site scripted in some of these languages, you have to literally tell the language, I don't want to be safe here. And then you can get cross-site scripted. And if you leave it alone and just let it do what it does, you're hmm. generally okay. Not every time, of course, not every time. But for the most part, it protects you. Use the stuff you have for you. Yeah, and there's there's a huge movement um, right now in, in the security space called Zero Trust, or mm -hmm. uh, what do they call it? Yeah, well, Zero Trust. So you don't trust anything. I mean, you have yeah. a database, you house it in your environment. Nobody gets to touch it except for Bob on the weekend uh, at 1 p.m. on a Sunday. That's still not safe. <laughs> you still can't trust it because you don't know if Bob's going to go. Trust Bob. No, Dang, Bob. <laughs> Bob might just lose his, you know, lose his stuff and go wicked crazy. <laughs> Put something in there you can't trust. But, so. but, but the, the, one that, the, the one that always got me, you know, back back to when I was doing a lot of testing was that, you know, you would look at one application and, and you know, test for cross-site scripting and it wouldn't happen. And then suddenly you go to the admin application and then the cross-site scripting happens because yep. it actually got stored on the database, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's where, where I think a lot of people fall down is they, you, you assume that because the input worked well, that it, that it was safe and it's yeah. not always the case, you know? So. Or you can say, I trust this because it's behind a firewall and nobody has access to the properties file. But, you know, Bob is told that this will improve your performance by a thousand percent. Who wouldn't want that, right? And that yeah. file that he replaces suddenly has the exploit inside of it. Nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, zero trust. You have to have zero trust. 
and it's a, you know it's it's a pretty high hill to climb so continuous security get to the point where you have zero trust and when you look at these findings and these issues that are saying you have x y or z especially in cross-site scripting you should look at it you should probably trust that that information is telling you you shouldn't have any trust <laughs> on the stuff coming in and being stored and being used excellent Thanks. excellent good good advice chris good yeah. advice. trust no one <laughs> nothing i don't trust you anymore thankfully there's no trust site podcasting yeah <laughs> yeah they could be well, you... <laughs> I, I, did you, you, if you listen to my fun fact, I think there is, you know, it's like, it's <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, hey, friends, I am delighted and so excited this week to uh, have Tanya Janka with us, Anna, for our podcast. Um, Tanya Mino is uh, known as She Hacks Purple. Um, she's the author of the very new Alice and Bob Learn Application Security, which we're super excited about. Um, and she is the founder of We Hack Purple, an online learning academy, community, and a weekly podcast that revolves around teaching everyone to create secure software. Tanya has been coding and working in IT for over 20 years. She's won numerous awards and has been everywhere from startups to public service to tech giants like Microsoft, Adobe, and Nokia. Um, she's worn many hats like a startup founder, pen tester, CISO, AppSec engineer, and a software developer. She's an award-winning public speaker that I've heard personally, um, active blogger and streamer, and has delivered hundreds of talks and trainings on six continents. Um, she incredibly values diversity and inclusion and kindness, which shines through in everything that she does and the countless initiatives she's a part of. So welcome, Tanya. We're super glad to have you with us. Um, so first and foremost, uh, you know, we know that, that She Hacks Purple just became We Hacks Purple. So what's that all about and how's it going? How's it going so far? Oh, it's good. It's good. So I started my own company this year, which was really scary during a pandemic. And basically, we teach people how to create secure software and how to become application security engineers. And so we have a content service right now where, you know, we just jump into your inbox a few times a week with premium content. But we're changing that into a full community in the fall where people can talk to each other. There's a knowledge base. I want it to be a place where you can ask every single question, even the question you think is dumb and find an answer. Uh, and then we're releasing a bunch of new courses tomorrow. And mm -hmm. I'm really excited. We've been working on it for a while. And um, yeah, it's really exciting. <laughs> That is awesome. And I got to tell you, for your community, right, $7 a month is probably the best deal in AppSec on the internet. So so get into that while you can. Um, so Tanya, tell us a little bit about the, the new courses. And I'm curious, uh, are these designed for folks who are just brand new to AppSec? Or do you need a lot of technical experience? Um, how are the courses coming? So uh, the set of courses that are coming out tomorrow are three foundational courses. And you need to have worked in tech a bit before or have taken some sort of computer science or a boot camp course in order to know what the system development lifecycle is. So you have to understand the idea of creating software and the basics there. So you don't need to have developed 100 pieces of software but you need to understand the, the gist of programming and the gist of what the system development lifecycle is. So we're gonna gather some requirements. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. And then we build upon that from there. So the first course, so it's a set of three. Okay. 
and the first foundational course is what the heck is application yeah. security? <laughs> um, and and like I have these questions that I get asked over and over and over again. And so the first module is just let me answer every single question that people always ask. Mm. Like what is cyber? Things like that. Like really to the point about all those things. And then we teach you know what all the different types of activities are that exist. Like what does what does a pen test mean? And how's that different from just doing a scan? And, and all of that so that you completely understand. And then we talk about, literally there's, there's five different modules on tools because there are so many types of tools. So you can understand what they all are. And then throughout the course, we create goals for you to bring back to work to improve the software that your workplace is creating. And that's step that's the first course. And then from there, we take those goals, we add on to all the things you've learned, and then we do instant response. We create policies to support your developers. We create standards. And it just continues on and on until we're doing rather advanced things in the third module, where we're taking metrics, we're spotting patterns, we're doing experiments and improving upon that. And I, the idea is, is I want this person to be able to walk away, like a student to be able to walk away. And, understand and feel really, really confident. Like, I know how to make sure the software that we are making is secure now. So yeah, basically lots of software developers are like, I don't know where to start, start here. Or people, they want to become an application security engineer. And you know they're watching a zillion different talks from different conferences mm -hmm. and yeah. like, oh, that's not the place yeah. to start. <laughs> I want to make a place where I would start. So like, what would I teach all of my staff when I was turning them into AppSec engineers? And I'm just like, this is all the stuff you need to do to be able to like go out and actually do that job mm -hmm. and know that you're doing a good job and how to decide, you know, I want this tool or I want that tool or this needs a pen test or maybe this doesn't need a pen test, right? And I feel like, People really need to know with confidence right. that the work they do is giving value to their organization and being able to justify their decisions. And so I include a lot of that too, like how to justify your decision and actually get buy-in. Because yeah. the secrets that they don't tell you when you want to work in AppSec is that like half of your job is convincing people to go along mm. with what you want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little more percent. This is real. Why? We know these problems. Why? And it's a world you never, ever, ever stop learning in. Uh, at least I've seen uh, that be the case. But that does beg the question. If you could choose one vulnerability that nobody could ever, ever, ever write again, what would it be? <laughs> okay, so my favorite vulnerability that I would fix, so I'm going to turn this question on its head. Um, I would have people only write input inputs to programs that were fully validated and properly validated. Because I know I'm cheating, right? Because if every single programmer put input validation where it was supposed to be and did a good job of the input validation, you know, none of us would need jobs anymore because most of the things would be fixed. Like that would fix, I would say such a, just kidding, of course we would have jobs, but <laughs> it would fix such a huge, huge, huge amount of vulnerabilities. It would, it would be out of this world. Like sometimes yeah, I wonder when they teach secure coding, I'm like, so after you spend four days on input validation, what do you talk about? <laughs> yeah. Because it's so important. 
and I feel it's a little underrated. The old, what is it? Defensive programming is your first line of defense. It's basically application security. Just make sure the characters you expect are the ones coming in. It's not hard. Just do it. Oh, and I, I, I joke around. I'm like, don't trust the stuff from your database. Like, you don't know Never. what's in there. Don't trust <laughs> the API, even if it's one that your company owns. I'm like, literally, if the data came from your mom, validate it because my mom gave me a virus once. Collect her out. Wow. Just do it. Don't go back. In relation to your book, Alison's Bob to Application Security, which is, is wonderful. It's really like Dick and Jane, you know, go hunting or something. In, in terms of that, what are, what are some of the things in that? And especially the continuous learning at the end, because I think yeah. that's huge. There's actually a learning plan that you have to write. So nice. I give exercises and homework because I am a teacher at heart. I was meant to be a kindergarten teacher, I swear. And, <laughs> yes. and so there's actually like a, a learning plan that you're supposed to rip out of the book and then sign. Oh, so that nice. you And it sounds weird, but if you do that, if you write it down, and you say, I'm gonna read these two books this year, and I'm going to watch this many talks online, and I'm gonna do this and this, it, and you sign it, you are 80% more likely if you make a promise to actually do the thing. It's not for me, it's for the reader. And yes. I've used this, this trick before, but I've had people say to me, you know, you made me promise this thing, and then, you know, we're having this meeting, and then this happened, and I thought about how you made me put up my hand and then actually promised to you to do the thing. And then, then I had to do it. And thank you because yes. it was the right decision. Yes. And I'm like, exactly. Yes. yes. Now, now, you know, if they also sign it, take it and stick it on their refrigerator, they're 90% likely. Yeah. I want them to put it up in their cubicle or next <laughs> so, to their computer at home. Exactly. It works. So you and I have talked before about this idea of learning and we're passionate about students and things like that. Aside from reading Alice and Bob, which should be required recording <laughs> reading for everybody, right? What would you say to students, particularly kind of late high school, college, who are thinking about careers in cybersecurity and how they should, you know, how they should get in, what they should be focusing on? Ooh. So I would say the first thing they want to do is try to figure out which part is the coolest in their opinion. Um, so when I joined, my mentor wanted me to be a pen tester. Um, but then I figured out AppSec was a job and I realized that with my Care Bear style security that that was what was best for me and that fit my personality type. And I found more satisfaction in that. Like for instance, like going to the developer's desk and like helping them fix the bug for me feels good, but for a pen tester, like that you're not allowed doing that. That's way out of scope. Uh, I was definitely told like, stop doing that when I was a consultant. They're like, we don't have time for this crap. Um, <laughs> and so finding the actual job that's right for you. Um, so I, I'm actually starting my own podcast way. and what I'm doing. Yeah. So I wanted to answer this question for everyone. So I wrote a blog post in January called, um, jobs in information security. And it has mm -hmm. had 100,000 reads. It still gets shared at least once yep. a week online. I still get hundreds of new reads per week because I detailed all sorts of different jobs and what it's like to do that job every day. 
So a lot of people don't know that they might really, really love digital forensics or they might really love responding to incidents. So I used to be an incident responder and I really liked it, but I'm a very excited type of person. And I would get so excited um, that I, it would take me like a week to come down. And so it ended up being like problematic because I was like so agitated and excited. And, it, and so doing instant response all the time is like really hard on me, even though I really, really, really loved it. So I, it took me like a year or more to figure out. I'm like, oh, this isn't good for me, even though I love doing it. And so finding out what it's like, finding out what the hours even are like. And so, you know, what is threat hunting? What is it like to be a SOC analyst? Is this a thing that you think you would be good at? And so my podcast, so the first season, and by that, I mean the first year, we're just, I'm just interviewing all these different people, basically who I think are really cool, who I've always wanted to meet. Um, and I'm just asking them about their jobs. Uh, so one of them that I just booked for October, she is a artificial intelligence, machine learning, data, big cool. data expert. And she specifically works in like how bias can happen in those situations, like mm, how data could be biased or specifically yeah. like the algorithms that we choose or the way the machine learning works could be biased. And I am super fascinated by this. I've read a bunch of books on it. I've seen a whole bunch of hacker talks on it. And it's hilarious because hackers right now keep trying to steal the wrong things, which is funny. Like you want to <laughs> You want to steal the model. You don't want to steal the data. You don't want to steal like 25 terabytes of data and then try to change it. Like it's going to take you 10 years to try to change that and then try to train the model incorrectly. Dude, just steal the model. It's worth millions. Um, just kidding. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, but, so we're going <laughs> to talk all about that. Do you know what I mean? And we're going to talk yeah. about like, what is her job like? And so like she does security stuff. And so like, how do you secure that? And what is day-to-day -day like, and how, how could I get that job? Like, what training do I need to do? And so person to person to person to person, we're gonna just keep talking about every single job you've thought of. Oh, you founded a cybersecurity company. You make a cool security product. Like, what is that like? Oh, you're a CTO for a little tiny, et cetera, et cetera. And so like just so many cool people doing cool things. And I want people to know what it's like. I'm thinking of even adding like, Sales, sales engineers and marketing people. Like, what's it like to market cybersecurity stuff? Yeah, exactly. Um, because some people are really interested in cyber. They don't realize that there's lots of jobs where you don't have to write code and you can totally. still be yeah. a total amazing rock star. It's not obvious how to start a career in information security. And so, and I'm curious to be quite blunt. Like, I just want to know these things. Yes. Um, and that's well, the best type of podcast, right? Where the host really, really wants to know. Yeah. Um, and so since it's my podcast, it can be about whatever I want. <laughs> exactly. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Traditionally in IT security, and I've been in IT security for 20 years, it's a very male dominated world. And, mm -hmm. you know, and we're now in an age where diversity is seen as very important. I'm just wondering what are some of the things that you could suggest we can do to balance up our industry? I think that if people think about diversity, when they make major decisions that things will change. So for instance, mm -hmm. if you're doing hiring, have someone read over your job description to make sure that there's not bias in it that you didn't realize. When you are doing your hiring, 
make sure there's a diverse group of people doing the interviews because yes. when women walk in and it's a sea of men, some of them think, oh, I don't know if I belong here. But if they walk in and one of the interviews is a woman, that really can help attract a woman to want to work there. Or if there is a black person or if there is a disabled person, et cetera, et cetera, people that are underrepresented, but that we need to come work with us. Um, another way is to go and ask all the people where you work who are from underrepresented groups, literally say, hey, so we want to increase our diversity, but first we know we need probably some improvements. Hmm. Can you think of some things that we could do that could make stuff better, that would make it more welcoming, that would make it more comfortable, that would make it more fair? Like if we have problems, we need to fix those before we try to invite others. And so I find that there's lots of companies and they'll say, oh, well, we want to hire a woman for this because we need one. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to work there um, because I can tell you don't know. However, like I know really awesome women that work places and they'll say, oh, we're hiring. Like, do you want to tell other like other women that, you know, like because then I get to work with them. Right. And, and and they're like, it's really great. Like my manager's awesome and blah, blah, like your employees are your best advertisement or your best repellent. If they're telling everyone like, oh yeah, it's such a great place to work. I'm treated really well. Like sometimes I see posts on Twitter where people will say like, oh, my management's so awesome. Like they did this. <laughs> that is a place people will want to go work yeah. and they're, and they're your best resource. And I don't mean that it's their job to do that, but if you ask them and give them the opportunity and the most important part here is that when they say something, even if it hurts your feelings, that you need to think about it and try to be open instead of being defensive. Um, I have received feedback that sometimes I think, well, that's not what I meant. And then I'm like, don't say that because then they're going to be sorry they told you and instead say, oh, can you explain? Because like clearly I didn't mean to offend, but if you could help me understand, then I can change my language in the future because I'll understand the reason. Not don't say this word. Um, so for instance, let me give you an example. So, so one of the things uh, that I've taught a ton of times is the OWASP Z attack proxy, ZAP. Um, so teaching yeah. like just a big group of devs, how to scan their own code, how to find vulnerabilities and what to do. And so one of the settings, so you, so when you scan, it could be high, medium, low, or insane. And I was like, so if you want to get cray cray, let's do this. And a person in the audience had a lot of mental illness problems. And they're like, you know, when people say the word crazy and people say insane and they mock it, it like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, maybe I'm being oversensitive, but it just, it makes me feel like they're making a joke out of me. And like, mm. I've struggled with this and that, and like, I've worked so hard and I'm like, oh no, I never wanted to make someone feel bad. Oh no. no. And so I've changed my language. Right. And I actually reached out to the team that makes that tool. And I was like, Hey, let's think, let's think of a better way that we could word this so that no. And I told them the story and they were like, oh my gosh, mm. oh no. How many people have we made feel bad? We didn't, oh no. And so, you know, it turned into this awesome thing because I heard them and I listened and then I took that feedback and did something with it. But at the time I was like embarrassed and horrified that I'd made some nice person in my, you know, in like in the room with me feel like garbage. They're like, I turned red and I felt so embarrassed. Like everyone could just see me in that moment. And I was like, oh, crap. 
I've an, I've another question for you. The the she hacks purple, which is is great, but but to me it's suggesting, which I like, that the blue and red team should be talking to each other. Is, is that yes. correct? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's define red team and purple team and blue team, just so that everyone listening understands. So red team are attackers. So when you hire a pen tester, if someone's writing an exploit for you to test your system. Those things are their offensive adversarial security. So that's red team. And then blue team are defense. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that put up your defenses. They make your firewalls. They tune things. They patch things. They make sure that we are defended. I started getting called a purple teamer because when I was doing application security, I was doing both. Yeah. So I would do a pen test, but then I would go and teach all the developers about cross-site scripting and teach them how to do their own tests and teach them how to fix it and find it and do code review for it because I never wanted to see it again. And because I kept doing both, people called me a purple teamer. And then that's where Shiak's purple came from. But I definitely think that the red team and the blue team should be best friends, right? Like they should talk to each other all the time. I do agree. The I never really liked the idea of them being separate. So the, the blue right. team, red team never sat with me. I, I feel like... Not everyone has all the skill sets, if that makes sense. So mm. someone who's a really gifted penetration tester or exploit writer, they might not have the skills to be able to do all the other defensive things, if that makes sense. Like I tell people a lot, if you mm. want to work in AppSec, you have to be a really awesome communicator. You need to be able to write reports people actually understand. You need to be able to interpret what all the tools say. But you also need to be able to have empathy because you are essentially the negotiator between the dev team and the security team, right? So if you don't have any empathy, and I don't mean, you know, when you see commercials with puppies, you cry. I mean, <laughs> people who can understand someone else's viewpoint. And if you can't understand, okay, well, the devs have a giant deadline on Friday and you found 31 bugs. That's nice. 31 <laughs> bugs aren't getting fixed on Friday. So be realistic understand they are mere humans, they are yeah. mortals, yeah. They, they cannot stay up all night and that's not reasonable to ask them that. So pick the two emergencies and put the rest in the backlog. Or if it really is the end of times in regards to the things you found, then you need to be able to talk to their management and actually renegotiate on their behalf. But just crushing the developers with work, no. <laughs> like that's not, no one wins, no one wins. Right? And so it, it's not really from that perspective. I often see pen testing teams that redo work that's already been done. Oh. So if you've already done a whole lot of tests for cross-site scripting and things like that, and you've covered it, why why sit and cover it again when you could be focusing their time, which is very limited, on another yeah. thing? And the only way they can do that is by knowing what happened earlier in the process. Yeah, and, and so, that's so a good the point. isolation is the problem that I have. You know? right. It, it yes, definitely. Definitely. I definitely feel the pen testers need to work with all the AppSec people and yes. should be known by the devs teams, especially like if you have security champions, they should yes. know them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think you should have security champions. <laughs> yes, have security champions. <laughs> if you get nothing else out of this, do that. <laughs> because I mean, the more you can get these guys talking to each other, the better. 
I didn't even know what security champions were when I started my first AppSec program, and I accidentally made a whole bunch of them. <laughs> I just kept teaching everyone's app and giving them books and doing all the things. And before I knew it, I would always go talk to Liam or I would always go talk to Stefan or whoever the person was, because that person just that was the person that was in every meeting. That is the person that would show up for every lunch and learn that. And before I knew it, I was like, hey, do you want me to teach you how to use this cool new tool? And they would be super interested. And then they would go back to their team and spread the security joy to all of them. And then when I learned about the concept of security champions, I'm like, oh my gosh, I accidentally made it at least six. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's the best way to do it, right? What typically happens is somebody gets tapped on the shoulder and told you're it. And that, that usually doesn't work very well. It's not a winning strategy. I like to try to attract all the people whenever possible, yes. rather than telling them to do. No one likes to be commanded to do things. <laughs> Especially developers. <laughs> we're a little notorious for that. <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm not saying we're childish, <laughs> but I'm also not saying. No, it takes a village. It absolutely takes a village. It takes everybody. Yeah. All right. Tanya, is there anything you wanted to touch on? Mm. How about we invite everyone to participate in Cyber Mentoring Monday? Ooh, that's a great idea. Because like every idea. single Monday, I still run that and the plans mm -hmm. to do that literally forever. Yes. Um, <laughs> until until no one needs mentors. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm happy to stop if people are, you know, every single person has found a professional mentor. No one needs help anymore. That's cool. I'll show myself out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'll stop talking about it when you guys do it. <laughs> no, no, they're doing it. Yeah. They're doing it. There's this woman I follow on Twitter named Maverick. And she wrote me a week or two ago and said, basically, she she used the Cyber Mentoring Monday and I retweeted her to a whole ton of people. And then we introduced her to someone. And she's been working with that person three months. And she said for six years, she's been trying to get into InfoSec. And in three months, she did it with her mentor. Mm. And her entire career has changed. They went step, 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 step. She did all the things. And now she's working in InfoSec and everything. I'm just, I'm so happy. I don't know how to explain to you, like as a person who loves helping yes. <laughs> to find out she'd been trying for six years unsuccessfully. And the fact that she would give it a chance, this little totally informal program that I made up on the internet where I just tweet, Cyber Mentoring Monday every Monday. And now we have 10 or 12 other people who also tweeted every Monday who are also helping. And then um, my friend Frank started a podcast that he does every Friday to check in with a lot of the people from Monday. And it's just, it's, it's grown into this huge thing that has helped so many people and it costs zero dollars. Zero dollars are exchanged. It's just people helping people. And Someone else came up to me at a conference who works um, at a big company whose products I own lots of at home. And he said, hey, I owe you a coffee. And I was like, okay, cool. I like this. Um, and he said, you know, he started mentoring someone. And then he got to know her more and more. And she did all the things. And after a few months, he hired her. And now she's been working for him for six months. And he's like, she's incredible. She's amazing. Like, 
I would never have found this awesome human if it wasn't for that program. And like, she's really happy. You know, I guess she had worked at help desk somewhere and he had been mentoring her and he's like, I think you're ready. And you know, I've been given permission to hire someone junior. He's like, she's out of this world. And I would never have met this super eager to learn person who's willing to do, you know, jump through a thousand hoops to learn the thing if it wasn't for this program. Uh, and then he offered me a discount on my favorite type of stereo. And that was really cool too. So Cyber Mentoring Monday, every Monday on Twitter, just use that and, hashtag. And before you go, your, your podcast, when does that start? And, and where can we find that? August 26th, oh. 6 p.m. every single Thursday, except for during Christmas, because um, it falls on Christmas Eve and that's not happening. Um, so every single Thursday, we're going to stream live on YouTube on the We Hack Purple channel, and then we're going to distribute it out to all the, the audio-only podcast channels, and then we're going to save it there in video indefinitely. So you'll find it on Spotify and, and things like that, yeah? Yeah, all Absolutely. of the places. Yeah. I'm really, really excited to be able to help people find careers, even if it's not an AppSec. InfoSec needs you. We yes. really, really desperately yes. do. Yes. <laughs> yes. Guys, we've been talking to Tanya Janka. And thank you so much, Tanya, for your thank time. You. Um, if you're looking for Alice and Bob and doing AppSec, that is pre available now for pre order on Amazon. So please get out there and check that out. Join the community at the wehackpurple.com site. Again, best offer in AppSec on the internet. All right. So go and get that one. Um, and you can follow Tanya on Twitter at SheHacksPurple. You can also follow the WeHackPurple Academy at uh, WeHackPurple. And as you just heard us discussing, if you're looking for help in cybersecurity and application security, every Monday on Twitter, hashtag CyberMentoringMonday. Join us and we'll be happy to help you get connected and uh, join the ever-growing community. There's a lot of good people there. So look forward to seeing you guys online. Tanya, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you Thanks, so man. much for having me, Colin, Chris, and Rob. Thank you. Thank you. That has yeah, been a blast. Thank you. That brings us to another end of Application Paranoia. Really special thanks to Tanya for being part of it. And as always, thank you, Chris, and thank you, Rob. Yeah, thanks so much. We were super excited to have Tanya with us and uh, yeah, looking forward to the next episode. Yeah, it's always wicked fun. Yep. <laughs> always. <laughs>